2: it's another evening here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, xzoneradiotv. And if you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone broadcast network, visit www.xzbn.com. Dot net. And we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, I Radio, and of course, Simul Radio and Simul TV. Exxon Nation, my guest tonight. As a gentleman, I've had the pleasure of knowing we figured this out before the show over 25 years. Lloyd Auerbach is his name, and uh, he is a world-recognized paranormal expert with thousands of media appearances and author or co-author of nine paranormal books, The most being uh, the Revised Psychic Dreaming and the Republication of Mind Over Matter in 2017 from our good friends at Llewellyn Publications. In 2016, Crossroads Press published ESP Wars, East and West, covering the psychic spying programs of the U.S. and Soviet Union, uh, co-authored by Dr. Edwin C. May, by the way, who ran the U.S. program, Dr. Victor Rubel, and Joseph McGonigal, the project's number one remote viewer. He is the founder and director of the Office of Paranormal Investigation since 1989 and the president since 2013 of the Forever Family Foundation, an organization supporting research on life after death and the work of spirit mediums in the grieving process. He is on the uh, faculty of the Atlantic University, JFK University, and the Rhine Education Center and HCH Institute teaching parapsychology and other subjects both online and locally in the Bay Area. Now, just some of Lloyd's uh, media appearances are here on the Exxon and, of course, our good friends on Coast to Coast, Late Night with David Letterman, and so on. He is a parapsychologist, professional mentalist, psychic entertainer, performing as Professor Paranormal, author, professional speaker, and professional chocolatier. And you can uh, best uh, contact Lloyd on his Twitter feed at profess uh, at Prof Paranormal and joining me now after a long time is Lloyd Auerbach and Lloyd welcome back to the Exxon always great having you with us
3: thanks very much Rob nice to be back
2: uh, Lloyd over the years like we checked our files and and you've been a guest here on the show sporadically over the last 20 27 years Craig is telling me now mm-hmm. how how have you seen the world of the paranormal change over these years
3: well, parapsychology itself, you know, the research end of things, <clears throat> has, um, inc- of course, brought some more people into it. We've seen some more cooperation with folks outside the field, which is something we've looked for for quite some time, especially in the area of consciousness studies and physics. Right. And we've seen the growth of actual scientific research with spirit mediums. Um, in the general populace in the world around us, we've seen this incredible focus by the media on ghost hunting, especially since the early 2000s. And uh, that's been both good and bad uh, for the field and for our understanding of what's happening, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. How do
2: you look at it as a parapsychologist?
3: Well, it's been great. This TV show has been great in bringing people out of the woodwork who otherwise would not have been talking about their interest. But what they've done, what the shows have done, Mm -hmm. by not including actual researchers or talking about the history of the fields by focusing on people who used to be plumbers or who are basically hobbyists. They really have made this more of a hobby for people that that, that everybody seems to think they can do without any background or understanding. Uh, and a whole new folklore has emerged from television uh, around how the phenomena behaves and what people need to be afraid of and how people need to investigate. Or should investigate, and it's it's really, it's amazing to me. One of my students on the at the Rhine Center uh, a couple of years ago actually went online and spent a lot of time looking for active websites of ghost hunting groups, and found over 3,000 in the United States alone. So that's that's just an crazy incredible number. It's crazy, especially since most of them have no clue yeah. <laughs> on the history and how to do actual research in the field.
2: Now, how many years ago was that list of 3,000?
3: Probably, I think it was three years ago.
2: All right, we just did an update on with our files and we have over 5,684.
3: Yeah, yeah, groups, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it just doesn't surprise me at all because uh, usually what happens, I saw this happen actually in Seattle years ago. There was one, in the 90s, I think late 90s, there was mm-hmm. one ghost hunting group. And within seven years, there were, there were 50. Wow. Bec- because people joined the one didn't agree with each other, so they mm. split off, didn't get along, split off again, and continued to split off.
2: Unreal. Totally unreal. Yeah. So when it comes to the big picture, and, and you as a professional parapsychologist, are these groups who really have no idea what they're doing, are they doing more harm than good?
3: I, I think, you know, for the general public, in gen- just overall... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a potential for harm, and I've certainly seen that in a number of uh, instances that have come to me. Um, They certainly created new folklore that people in the general public are believing, which is unfortunate. It makes it more difficult for those of us who are in the field to actually... I I, I hardly ever get cases these days because I don't have wild claims like some of the ghost hunting groups do. Uh, And I don't work like they see on TV. So it's created problems for getting people help when they need help. It's created problems for individual families where there was a normal explanation. But suddenly mm-hmm. they have a demon in their house, because for whatever reason, somebody's stomach growl was interpreted on an EVP as a as a demon dog. Consequently, the house has been been kind of like made off limits to all ghost hunting groups, because now there's a demon there, when in fact, it was nothing at all. You know so, what? for the public, it's potentially a, a negative thing. Um Again, I I think that because of these shows and these groups, we are finding some people realize as they do this that there's some issues with what they're doing. And then they seek out those Mm -hmm. of us in the field who are teaching where they find actual resources and books or in organizations and they come into the field, which is great. I, I think we've gotten a number of really good people in our field because of the I guess you could say the ineptitude of so many of the methods of the ghost hunting groups.
2: I, I've had a number of groups on the shows over the years and more recently, they're all trying to play psychologist and demonologist at the same time. And, right. and, I've, and I've asked them, I said, well, don't you take any responsibility for any negative action that you, that you um, cause or any mental harm that you cause? And, they, and the answer is, well, no.
3: No, because they have no training whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what they're doing.
2: Exactly. Talking about a cottage industry. Um, Lloyd, you're best known as your work as a ghostbuster, but you're right. also a very well-known expert and respected person when it comes to psychic dreaming
3: as well as dreams. Where did the crossover come? Well, you know, I've always been really a generalist mm-hmm. when it comes right down to it. Um, I think the best known as Ghostbuster comes from Ghostbusters in some respects. Uh, I always enjoy doing field investigation and field work, certainly over doing laboratory research. But I've been an educator and working with uh, the general public and media since I got out of grad school uh, many years ago. Uh, When Ghostbusters came along in 84, because of some... I guess you could, some synchronicities for me, positives mm-hmm. for me, not necessarily for everybody in my field. Uh, I was featured in an article in the Oakland Tribune, a huge piece that got picked up by the Associated Press and went all over the country. So I suddenly got thrust into this role of um, pseudo Peter Venkman <laughs> from Ghostbusters <laughs> in some respects. And because uh, because I like doing investigations, that made a lot of sense. But I've continued to teach all sorts of courses and even at that time, I was teaching courses in anthropology and parapsychology, uh, introduction to parapsychology. Yes, I was teaching some field work, but I was also teaching a variety of topics. And part of that was on psychic dreams and on psychokinesis and other things. So after my first book came out, uh, when my publisher came back and said, we'd like you to write another book. And I said, Well, I have some ideas. Do you have some ideas? And they they actually said, the original publisher said, how about a book on psychic dreams? And I said, okay. So it was something that <clears throat> I took on, um, took to heart at the time. And the revision has has been up, up to date and just like made much clearer than the original edition.
2: All right, Lloyd, stand by. You and I have to take our first break here at DEXONATION. Our guest this hour is Lloyd Auerbach. And if you'd like to contact uh, Lloyd, the best way to do it is through his Twitter feed at uh, let me see here. Are you ready? Okay. At Prof Paranormal. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X Zone with yours truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go in And welcome back, one and all. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Lloyd back is our special guest. And if you'd like to uh, contact Lloyd, his email address is profparanormal at gmail.com. That's profparanormal at gmail.com. Lloyd, what's the difference between a regular dream, or what some people call a normal dream, and a psychic dream?
3: Well, first thing is a regular dream could be all over the map, whereas mm-hmm. a psychic dream has specific content information that you couldn't possibly have known. So information about the future, about distant locations or events, kind of the same difference you'd find with a normal perception versus an extrasensory perception. The other aspect of that is that that what I've gotten from people over the years uh, doing research for the book originally and since that time is every time I ask people, how do you know that that was a psychic dream? Right off the bat, they will say it felt different. And they couldn't express that, but it did seem different. Realer than real is something Mm. we sometimes hear.
2: So how does a psychic dream manifest? What's the physiology behind it? Why do some people have psychic dreams and others don't?
3: Well, actually it's along the lines of why some people have psychic experiences and others don't. Uh, And we all do have psychic experiences from time to time. The dream state itself, uh, our defenses, our inhibitions are lowered. So you might say that our firewalls, Mm -hmm. our programmed firewalls against noticing psychic information, they're dropped. The firewalls are down. So during a dream, it's possible that uh, you will pick up on highly charged events or on very mundane events related to you. Um, That's kind of the two different types of experiences or events people pick up on. But because, I guess you could say the flavor of the dream is realer or it feels different to people when they remember them when they wake up. Mm -hmm. They tend to take more note of them. It's almost like a little flag goes up and says, hey, pay attention to this one, it's different.
2: So what, in in your opinion, and the research that you've done into psychic dreaming, is the most common psychic dream?
3: Interestingly enough, it's precognitive dreams. Mm -hmm. Dreams of the future are the most common. And part of that may be because we as human beings are planners. We're always looking towards the future, right? Uh, most people consult an Oracle every single day. We call the weather guy. So we're interested in what's ha- going to happen next. And that probably plays into a lot of what brings uh, what comes up to our attention uh, from the dream state as well. And uh, of course, the one th- there are a couple things about psychic dreams about precognitive dreams that are really interesting, one of which is that if there's enough information for you to make a change, to make a different decision, you can do that, uh, at which point you may never know if your dream would have come true mm-hmm. if you hadn't made a different decision. And the other aspect of it is a lot of times, psych- precognitive dreams don't provide enough information to do anything about the events.
2: So why is the dream state so fertile, or seemingly so fertile, that these psychic dreams Actually, do occur.
3: You know, it's really down to our inhibitions, our blocks being dropped. Uh, Children are more psychic than adults Mm -hmm. because they haven't been educated out of it. They haven't been programmed by culture. They haven't been programmed by religion, by their families, by um, their experiences. They haven't been told that that imaginary friend they're talking to can't possibly be a dead person. It's got to be somebody you made up. So, it really is interesting that as we go through our most societies, most cultures, we have we put these blocks up, we don't want to be seen as weird. So we ignore these experiences. But in the dream state, we can always write off a dream as just a dream, it was just a dream. So it's really about the free for all that can happen in the dream state, compared to our waking state where there seem to be a lot of rules.
2: There are those who believe that everything in life is planned, how would a psychic dream that influences a person who is planning to do something and they don't do it because of the psychic dream? How does this affect the time-space continuum?
3: Well, you know, everything we've seen in our field is that Mm -hmm. it is not a a definitive future. There's no definite future. There's a probable future Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe even several probable futures. but. Every decision we make affects what's going to happen next for for our immediate surroundings. And perhaps there is a ripple effect, depending on who you are. Uh, There have been a number of incidents where people have gotten information from their dreams. They have acted on it, and they have either prevented tragedy or put themselves in the right place at the right time because of it. And we have this thing called the intervention paradox within the field. Uh, around precognition in general. And that is, if you dream of a car accident, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: about to happen, the next day, when you drive your normal route, commute route to work, uh, and you decide to take a different route. And at the time you had been on your regular route, there was a huge accident, which you would have timing wise been right in the middle of. And in your dream, you saw yourself getting injured or hurt, you have now avoided that now you haven't stopped the accident but you've changed your personal future in that respect.
2: So where does where does that fit in? Where do psychic dreams fit in when it comes to synchronicity or coincidence?
3: Well, you know, of course we can dream. This is one of the things that skeptics love to talk about mm-hmm. is that you only remember the dreams when they come true. You don't remember all those times you dreamed about something which didn't come true. Uh, I,
2: and, I beg to differ with you know, those ones.
3: I, I, would, I would differ with that because the dreams that do come true feel very, very different than the yeah. other dreams they felt different when you had the dream not just after you found out it came true so there's an element of experiential perception to begin with the other thing is that most dreams are metaphorical Mm -hmm. in nature whereas psychic dreams tend to be a lot more literal and there there's just you know in the continuum of dreaming synchronicity can come in there i mean this could be remember that we don't remember all our dreams very few people remember every dream you have in fact When people remember their dreams, they tend to be the dreams that they had in the the last sleep cycle before they woke up. They'd have to wake themselves up after every dreaming cycle throughout the night in order to remember every single dream they had. So there's information still going into the unconscious and it may be that some synchronicities are an unconscious push of ourselves to be in the right place at the right time uh, or the universe may have some plan for us from time to time.
2: Let's say, for example, we have a psychic dream that depicts future events. Can we use that information to actually alter not only our future, but the future of others?
3: Yes, we can. If we have enough information, this is the key. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, as the remote viewers in the Stargate program learned also, you don't always have the full picture. You may be missing some key elements of what's going on. this is something all psychics know about that getting a full picture of everything is not always easy. So if you uh, as a good example of what could have happened uh, back in 1978 79 there was a guy named David Booth. He was a computer salesman. He started having recurring dreams. He was not a psychic He started having recurring dreams about a jumbo jet going down at O'Hare and he saw it at after dark and he had specific you know weather conditions which were pretty generic at the time he knew what was wrong with the with the aircraft. Right. He actually saw a problem inside the aircraft. Mm-hmm. He was not an aviation guy. He had no background in engineering. But he had enough information in his dream, and it happened again and again and again. He saw it going down and killing everybody that he called the FAA. Now I was lucky enough through a friend of my dad's at NBC News to speak to the person who spoke most to David Booth. This is back in the late 80s. I got to speak to this guy, to Jack Barker. And he told me that the reason they took him seriously um, was because of his detail about the the fault in the aircraft, which was not a normal thing, wasn't a major thing, was enough though to cause a real major problem, but it was a small thing that would be hard to get at. The problem was, and they would have, you know, they literally would have grounded the plane, but they were missing some vital pieces of information. They didn't know the exact date, they knew approximately one could Booth had a sense of, of when it was coming in the next month. Approximate time, approximate weather conditions, which unfortunately were pretty steady at the time. Nothing unusual in the, in the dreams. Mm-hmm.
2: So,
3: knew what was wrong with the, the plane, but did not know what airline or what flight number. And if you know O'Hare Airport at all, you can't ground every single plane of a certain type without causing major trouble. I mean, it had yeah. literally it had to have taken every plan out of service. The biggest problem was this fault could not be found and fixed unless you took the aircraft out of out of um, off out of service for 24 hours, maybe even a little bit more. So they didn't have enough information to do anything about it. Had he known even the airline. Now, I don't know if this is true, but Barker told me that had he known the airline, they would have at least been able to have the aircraft for that airline over a couple week period, they may have missed that aircraft anyway, but they would have been able to start doing it with that airline. They couldn't do anything about it. So if with missing a single piece of information, a little additional information, they could have actually avoided that issue, which actually happened, the crash did happen, as he said, and the fault was exactly what he said. Now, um, Mm -hmm. of course, if somebody called the FAA today with that, that story, they would be investigated by Homeland Security. Probably within 15 minutes.
2: Exactly, exactly. Hey Lloyd, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Index if you'd like to uh, send Lloyd our back an email, his email address is profparanormal at com. And the current edition of the X Chronicles is up online, the late January 2019 edition. Just go to www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And the lead story is... The reviews on um, Project Blue Book, the TV show, and it was written by the one and only Kevin Randall. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And uh, also, don't forget, if you check us out on Simul TV, where the Exone TV channel is Channel 21. We'll be back on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back, Exo Nation. My guest this hour is Lloyd Auerbach. His email address is profparanormal at gmail.com. Now listen, before we get back to, to our good friend Lloyd, I would just like to uh, let you people know that there's a new television series that has come and asked us to help them with their casting call. The name of the show is The Ghost Diaries, and if you have had a paranormal experience, if you are a Paris paranormal investigator, or ghostbuster, and you'd like to uh, submit your story or your group or your team or your haunted walk or whatever the case is to the producers of the ghost uh, the ghost diaries TV show visit www. the com. no wait a minute i'm sorry that's the that's the one they were going to use now they're using www.ghostdiariestv.com that's www.ghostdiariestv.com lloyd um we were talking about about dreams and uh, you know the difference between a normal dream and a psychic dream we also I also asked you about how having a psychic dream that predicts the future how it and if it could affect the future but a lot of people talk about lucid dreams I'm a lucid dreamer myself I can have a dream within a dream within a dream and know these are these are all dreams because I have a very simple technique I use If I think I'm in a dream, I try to read something, whether it's a sign, a menu, a newspaper, whatever. And I know I'm dreaming when I can't understand the gibberish I'm looking at. And of course, I have fun. So how how can we use lucid dreaming and psychic dreaming?
3: Well, it's possible within the lucid dream for mm-hmm. you to, since you're basically God in the dream world yes. at that point, um, to make yourself psychic, to say, I I'm am I'm psychic, I'm gonna do remote viewing and choose a target, or I'm going to predict the future and, and literally um, give yourself permission to be psychic and give yourself that superpower. Now, I've certainly, on, a, on rare occasion, I've had lucid dreams, uh, but when I have, because I'm a comic book geek I've always had superpowers in those dreams. And there's no reason why you, that one of those powers couldn't be psychic or, or something else related to that. And uh, the thing to do is to, in that lucid dream, be sure to tell yourself to write everything down when you wake up. So you have the information available to you. How many
2: dreams a night does a normal person have?
3: Uh, I don't know if there's any way to count the number of dreams, mm-hmm. but... The dream cycles, if you're doing a seven and a half to eight hours sleep, uh, a dream, well, a sleep cycle is 90 minutes. So you pretty much have five potential sleep cycles, although the first one, you're in and out pretty quickly, maybe not as much REM sleep at that point. Um, So the odds are you're going to have four, maybe five cycles of potential dreams. But the number of dreams, you know, there's really no way to calculate that.
2: Is there any explanation why some people have dreams that are in color and black and white?
3: Well, generally, people dream in color. Um, one of my colleagues used to say that the black and white ones are the reruns. <laughs> well said. <But laughs>
2: well said. You
3: know, it, it it has to do. It probably has to do with um, the way you look at the world and what you're thinking about. Um, Someone I spoke to years ago a few years ago, a dream person said that uh, more people used to dream and report dreaming in black and white until color hit the movies. Ah. Uh, so you know it's like the way we think of a visual canvas, which mm-hmm. is movies and television these days YouTube and everything else, right, may have something to do with influencing our dreams and how we interpret them or how we remember them too.
2: In your opinion, what is the sole purpose of a dream? Like, why do we dream?
3: Why, well, <clears throat> the why, I'll, I'll tell you just in general, and then I'll give you my opinion. Um, yeah. In general, there are there's a wide range of explanations for dreaming, and we don't know for sure which it is. You have people on the very, very materialist side, which has included Francis Crick, one of the discoverers of DNA Mm -hmm. who has stated that dreams should not be remembered. They're they're basically a way of our brains in computer language, defragging themselves, kind of garbage in and garbage out, getting rid of the garbage that's there Mm -hmm. and that remembering them is detrimental to your health. However, at the other end, we know very well from the dream groups and dream therapists and and dream workers all over the world that there are positive benefits for remembering your dreams. Very, very few negatives and for health as well. So you have to go with with that end of things. Personally, I I think it's just, it's how our brains are staying active while the rest of our body sleeps. It actually exercises other neural pathways. It's not the case that our brains are inactive when we're sleeping, especially dreaming. We're actually, our brains are actually very active. Hmm. And it may be a time that neural pathways are are restrengthening or reconfiguring. There's some plasticity happening. It does seem to be, however, extremely important for us to dream preferably every night or have to have a dream state every night or at least on a regular basis. Uh, Sleep deprivation studies have shown that when you start hitting a certain level of sleep deprivation, you start hallucinating. In other words, you start having waking dreams because the part of your brain is trying to force you to dream, even if you're awake. And of course, after 96 hours or so of sleep deprivation, you may have a psychotic break.
2: Unreal. When people dream, can they actually receive communication from spirit or, to, or, or those on the other
3: side? Certainly, that's uh, just uh, as with any other psychic uh, experience or psychic ability. Mm-hmm. The dream states are really fertile ground for that. Um, it is, I guess, again, your defenses are down, anything goes in the dream state. And people have reported some really interesting communication, some of which is actually proven to have uh, factual content that they didn't know. Hmm. Uh, The question, though, has to do uh, is around, is that person you're having a conversation with in that dream? Is that really the spirit of your grandfather? Or is that your brain helping you cope with the death of your grandfather? And we don't really know for sure what's going on there. We can't pin that down. Uh, partly at that time, because, at that point, because no one else is seeing the spirit uh, or experiencing that spirit. At least when you have multiple witness sightings, you have that kind of confirmation. But from a grieving perspe- perspective, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're really talking to your grandfather or not. It has a healing factor to it.
2: Why do we forget our dreams so fast? Why don't we remember them?
3: Well, that goes. You know, that of course goes back to the materialists who think that it's because we shouldn't remember any of the data, it's all garbage. Anyway, um, it just seems to be, for the rest of us, a part of the process of uncluttering, just keeping things in the unconscious Mm -hmm. as much as possible. So when you're dreaming, when you're sleeping actually, your conscious mind is quiet. It's your unconscious that's actually active. And we tend to keep those two things separate quite a bit. why we forget so much has to do with memory in some respects and we're still unsure about how why that actually works and how that happens.
2: You know, one of the, one of the phrases that I've heard when talking to people about dreams is something called dream incubation.
3: What is that? Yeah. It is an ancient technique. Goes mm-hmm. back at least to the Egyptians, if not to the Babylonians, the Mesopotamians. It's the idea. Well, it's where we have the phrase I'll sleep on it. coming OK, from. Um, you ask yourself, well, of course, in ancient Egypt, you probably ask the gods <clears throat> to provide you with a dream, but you ask yourself to provide you with a dream. Yeah. And you do this as you're going to sleep, um, a dream dealing with a particular situation. So, for example, if I'm going to ask my boss for, for a raise or a promotion tomorrow, I want to dream about the best way to do it. <clears throat> So I might tell myself over and over again, I need to have a dream about practicing this, practicing the best way to ask, show me the best way to ask in my dreams, because I already know the answer. I may not consciously know it. It's already there. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is as part of dream incubation and this programming that you're doing for yourself, you're going to say, and I will remember that dream. So I think it's really important that people reinforce the recollection of that specific dream and to have something ready to write with or record with when they wake up in the morning.
2: Based on your years of experience, how can we best work with our psychic
3: dreams? Well, you know, what's an interesting thing is there, there's kind of two points or two parts to dream work um, at the very mm-hmm. beginning for any individual. One is the intention to remember your dreams, that you really do want to do that. And the other is the recording of your dreams in some way, shape or form to reinforce the fact that you actually want to remember your dreams. So when I started writing this book, um, I'm not a person who before or even after writing the book, uh, typically remember many of my dreams, I remember some here and there, I certainly remember the few psychic dreams that I have when I have them. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting for me is as soon as I started actually writing the book, I'd already been doing research on it and such, but the, the day I started writing the first page of the book, that night and the next morning, I remembered more dreams than I had had in years and years and years. Like I couldn't remember the last time I remembered as many dreams. And throughout the entire time that I they wrote that book, I was having intense dream rec- recollection. Um, to me, that was partly my intention because I, I was writing a book on dreams, and my unconscious saying, okay, we're going to give you fodder, something to work with here. All right, Lloyd, so stand by. I We've got
2: it. to take our final break. Exonation Lloyd Auerbach is our guest. And if you'd like to contact Lloyd, his email address is profparanormal at gmail.com. And we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away now. ExoNation, Lloyd Auerbach is our guest this hour. W, uh, no, no, W's, W's or W's. It's his uh, email address if you'd like to contact Lloyd. His email address is profparanormal at gmail.com. First of all, Lloyd, I want to thank you ever so much for coming on the show. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. And as I was telling you uh, fair during the commercial break, I've been following you for years. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you are out there because you've been doing this so long and so legitimately you know what you're talking about and you're always trying to better the field and uh, my hat is off to you.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Um, does, does the paranormal vary around the world? For example, uh, do all cultures and societies have ghosts, devils, demons, angels, or or is the paranormal gauged by the sociological culture where where it's originating from?
3: There's definitely a cultural influence on uh, people's experiences uh, or how they interpret the experiences. Mm-hmm. Not all cultures believe in the devil. Certainly not all cultures or religions, for that matter, believe in hell or, or a Satan or devil. I, I, I certainly was not brought up to believe in devils and demons and things. <clears throat> not all cultures believe in angels. People in the world still believe in multiple gods or in some nature spirits. There, there are different interpretations of the experiences that are out there. The root experiences, when we look at, the, at what people report, um, there are ghosts or some form of that. How people interpret what those ghosts are or how they behave or what they mean may be different for different cultures and even within our culture, we have subcultures, uh, mm-hmm. mainly based on religion, or sometimes which TV show you follow, uh, as to how you interpret the, the experiences or the evidence or whatever else other people's experiences that you're getting. So in parapsychology, we have to consider culture and its influence on belief, and interpretation of the experiences. And that's one of the things that we look at when we, when we actually do investigations and try to come to conclusions and such.
2: With all the crap on the internet, and I, I, I call the internet the largest septic tank that mankind has ever created because there's more crap in it than there is anything else. Um, how does somebody who has <laughs> a legitimate problem where they are to the point where they need help, how do they find the right place, the right people? If they don't know of Lloyd Auerbach.
3: Well, first of all, I I just want to echo your comment about the Internet. Uh, Theodore Sturgeon, a science fiction writer, once said that uh, 90 percent of all science fiction is crap. But then again, 90 percent of everything is crap. So (laughs) that certainly certainly fits the Internet. Um, The best thing for people to do, honestly, is to contact one of the uh, actual research organizations in parapsychology. And forget the word paranormal for a minute. use the word parapsychology. That's important. Or the phrase psychical research. There are organizations like the Society for Psychical Research, which been around since 1882, the Parapsychological Association, the Rhine Center, r h i n e.org is another one. Those are all three very good sources. The University of Virginia has a group that deals with reincarnation and apparitions and such. And they can point you to the right people, put you in touch with folks. The Parapsychological Association has a website which includes its membership, and many of them are linked. I mean, there's a link to me as well there. And that's a good way, even if they don't do investigations or can't help you personally, they will be happy to point you in the right direction to the right people. Um, But going to these ghost hunting groups, if they even mention a TV show or a TV show related group that they're involved in, I would be highly suspicious and ask them a lot of questions.
2: I would run. Yep. Yeah. Now, you're involved with both the Family Forever Foundation and the Ryan Research Center, and a bit with the Windridge Research Center. Can you tell us something about these organizations?
3: Sure. The Forever Family Foundation, uh, which is free to join, by the way, it's foreverfamilyfoundation.org, is an organization, a complete nonprofit, all-volunteer organization that works with spirit mediums. We actually, through a uh, scientific research process, we certify mediums. Uh, who are evidential mm-hmm. and we work with them um, to help support the role of mediumship in family grieving process. We even run grief retreats um, but also support the work of researchers who do research into life after death, whether it's through mediumship, uh, field investigation, apparitional research, reincarnation, things like near-death experiences and such. The Winbridge Research Institute, a research center rather, and the Winbridge Institute, which is Winbridge, windbridge.org, does scientific research on mediumship. uh, Plus, they've occasionally done research looking at vetting supposed ghost hunting technology and finding it highly lacking. Uh, But they've done some great research with spirit mediums, some of the best controlled scientific research out there. And the Rhine Research Center is the oldest continuous laboratory in the United States. It used to be on Duke University. It used to be the Duke Parapsychology Lab before J.B. Rhine retired from Duke in the 60s and they continue to do some excellent research, uh, as well as provide really great online courses and membership. They run uh, lectures every other week, and there's a huge media library. It's a great organization to join and support, also nonprofit, but you get a real, real lot of benefit from joining the Ryan Center because of all the great video lectures and other materials that's there.
2: Is there more and more actual evidence being brought forth that you know, life after death is is real.
3: There is absolutely more evidence collected, Uh, the research with mediums, the research that's gone on at the University of Virginia's Mm -hmm. group with apparitions, and people's experiences, the work that I myself and a few other folks have done, uh, the reincarnation work that's done at the University of Virginia, all of it supports the continuation of consciousness past the death of the body. Uh, We You know, the ultimate proof, you know, because proof in science is a silly thing to even talk about. We're really talking about evidence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Math likes to talk about proof and law talks about proof, but we don't really have proof in science, in any of the sciences for that matter, because things change. Uh, The ultimate proof, if you want to call it that, though, for life after death would be when you die. I guess Uh, We haven't been able to get an apparition to show up in the laboratory. So Mm -hmm. until we can hold them to a time sheet, it's a little we're kind of stuck. For the for that kind of evidence
2: reincarnation i i personally have a problem with that
3: uh, i i understand yeah i, I completely understand uh, you know i i have personally I, I don't really care about whether i lived before mm-hmm. um and we and frankly from our perspective past life regression therapy or hypnosis doesn't provide us with evidence but we have these At this point thousands of cases from around the world of children under the age of five who spontaneously start talking about having been someone before and there's something definitely going on in those cases Uh, one of my colleagues ed may who you mentioned before having to do with the stargate program ed may doesn't is a materialist he does not believe in life after death he does not believe in the continuation of consciousness he doesn't believe in reincarnation but he is constantly amazed at the quality of information these three year olds or four year olds are coming up with about a person's past, about a person who used to live not too long ago, completely disconnected from them. He just felt, he feels, uh, and has made the statement that whether you believe it's reincarnation or not, these are incredibly impressive instances of something that needs to be fully investigated. The interpretation is a different story.
2: Um, One final question, uh, Lloyd. How do you think the advance of artificial intelligence is going to help the field of parapsychology?
3: That's a really good question. You know, I I think from the perspective of how we, it really is gonna depend honestly on two things. Number one, artificial intelligence can be used to to crunch data, Mm -hmm. to do analytics on the information. That's machine learning and AI is now being applied in many fields of of science and the law and other areas to look at massive amounts of data and look for patterns and then be able to either make suggestions for what's going on or suggestions on how to study what's going on. And I think that's where we're definitely going to see something happen eventually with AI. Uh, The other possibility is if you can create a model of consciousness Mm -hmm. and see whether you can make the machine psychic, that might be really an interesting thing, although that may not be the best for those of us who for those people who look towards the Terminator possibility of the future.
2: Uh, Lloyd, uh, as, as always great pleasure talking to you. Um, thanks very much for coming on the show. It's been a long time and and I wish you continued success in everything that you do.
3: Thanks very much. I,
2: I know that you teach classes and I've got about uh, 40 seconds. Where can people find out more about the classes you're going to be teaching and if they can partake in your classes?
3: Well, the Rhine Center has got a class, a couple of my classes coming up over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one starts February 28th. It's Rhine, R-H-I-N-E dot org. And just look for the education link there to get to find out about the classes we have coming up. And then otherwise, um, I will, best thing to do is contact me via email, profparanormal at gmail.com. Prof is in professor, profparanormal at com, And I'm happy to let you know what's upcoming.
2: All right. Uh, thanks again, Lloyd. And the next time you see Sally Ryan Feathers, say hi to her for me.
3: Oh, I sure will.
2: All right. Take care of yourself, my friend. And the very best of the new year to you and yours.
3: Thanks. You too.
2: Exonation. my guest this hour has been Lloyd Auerbach. And if you'd like to send Lloyd an email, his email address is profparanormal at gmail.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Jeez, I forgot where Hamilton was. How can I do that? We'll be back. Don't go away.